This CityWire podcast is sponsored by Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust. Scottish Mortgage invests in some of the world's most promising and exceptional companies, from healthcare breakthroughs to electric vehicles to a green energy revolution. Scottish Mortgage takes stakes in businesses shaping our future economy and society. Scottish Mortgage is considered the flagship trust of Edinburgh-based investment managers Bailey Gifford and is the UK's largest investment trust. As with any investment, please note capital is at risk. To find out more, please visit scottishmortgageit.com. Hello and welcome to The Advice Show. From advising clients to practice management, this podcast will give you UK and global insights into the financial planning profession. I'm Nicola, a reporter at New Model Advisor, and I'm very happy today to be joined by Samantha Gleave, who is a fund manager at Lion Trust. Hi, Samantha. How are you doing today? Very well. Hello, Nicola. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, I'm I'm really thrilled you're here. Um, I would love to talk to you, Samantha, today about many, many changes that we're really seeing broadly in, in financial markets at the moment. Samantha manages the Lion Trust European Strategic Equity Fund, the Lion Trust European Growth Fund, and the Lion Trust European Smaller Companies Fund. I wanted to ask you about any recent uh, or incoming changes to your portfolios um, and how they might reflect um, specific sectors that you as a fund manager have been keeping a close eye on recently? Sure. So overall, we think European markets are, are quite expensive. Valuations are, are relatively stretched on, on our valuation measures. So we want to find stocks at the moment that have valuation support. In other words, aren't, aren't overly expensive. We think that's very important given the current market regime backdrop. Um, back in 2020, we felt there was quite a significant market regime change away from sort of high growth stocks towards, towards value stocks. We think in the last 12 months, that theme has transitioned from buying contrarian value stocks to buying what we would call today more recovering value stocks. So some stocks that are enjoying good business momentum but are also still quite attractively valued. So these are the types of stocks that we're, we're looking for at the moment and, and indeed that we have in our portfolio currently. So for example, some sectors that where we have quite a lot of exposure at the moment would include, say, consumer discretionary. Um, and the consumer discretionary sector include, includes lots of different sort of sub-industries within that. Uh, but for example, um, one stock we've held for, for almost two years now that we bought sort of uh, on the COVID lows back in 2020 is Pandora, the jewellery company. This is a business that um, is enjoying really quite strong business momentum. Um, it's been expanding its product range um, quite well. It's got very strong online sales. Obviously, now lots of its stores are, are open again. Um, it's enjoying quite a lot of operating margin improvement. Uh, and it's... It's converting all of this into, into very strong cash flows. So they recently announced um, the reintroduction of their dividend following the, the, the COVID lows where most companies had to, had to sort of abandon their dividends in the short term. Uh, and they also announced quite a significant share buyback program. So from a shareholder perspective, you get a dividend yield and you get the, the benefit of a, of a share buyback program. 
Um, so we're certainly seeing quite a lot of opportunities in the consumer discretionary sector at the moment. And I think that reflects pent-up consumer demand. Um, but given we're beginning to see some inflation headwinds, we also want to invest in companies that have pricing power so that they can help to offset some of the inflationary pressures that they're seeing at the moment on their cost base. Perhaps you could um, speak a little bit about the strategy that you use with stock selection. Um, I know it can, it's slightly different to, to other strategies. Certainly. So our, our investment process is called the cash flow solution. And we have a very, very strong focus on, on corporate cash flows. Very simply, we're looking to buy companies that can generate strong and sustainable cash flows and that have attractive cash-based valuations. So we're also looking to exploit anomalies that, that might be in the profit and loss statement. We focus on, on cash earnings and cash-based valuations. And that's an, an investment style that has worked really well over the long term. And it, and it continues to work very strongly today. Uh, I think it is important to, to note that we the, the starting point of our investment process is to, to look at two simple cash flow ratios. And one is sort of is a cash return on capital ratio, so that's a quality ratio, and the other is free cash flow yield, which is a value ratio. And I think it's fair to say that over the last sort of one to two years, given the COVID backlog that that we've all been enduring, um, it's really been quite important to focus on on the value ratio because when COVID first emerged, lots of investors led towards high quality, high growth stocks, and those stocks became very expensive. And very crowded. So we took a contrarian view to that. And I think that's that's sort of still the case today. Growth companies and we can buy value companies. And in fact, probably over the long term, the overall tilt that we've had in portfolios has probably been a bit away from the mega cap stocks. But the the COVID events that first happened in 2020, um, I think gave gave rise to lots of opportunities among some large cap stocks which had just been sold off very aggressively. So, for example, you know, going back to the consumer discretionary sector, you know, we own a couple of autos companies like um, Mercedes-Benz. Um, we own Stellantis, that's the owner of Peugeot and Fiat brands. We own a couple of European banks that obviously are also quite large market cap. So, so we, we will really sort of hunt around for, for the stocks where the best opportunity lies. Um, and that, that could be smaller mid cap or it could be large cap. You know, over the past few years, inflation has really surged. Now inflation is, you know, central banks are attempting to control it. But obviously, it's made a lot of people rethink um, their asset allocation and how certain types of stocks perform. Um, so have you noticed kind of more advisors coming to you, the fund managers, with questions? And what kind of questions have they been asking, if so? So yes, we've we've certainly seen seen a lot more questions from from financial advisors, uh, and I think they can be split into two parts. So so the first is from sort of a, a, a geographical perspective. I think a lot of these advisors have had exposure to high forecast growth stocks in the U.S. So all the all the tech names that we're familiar with, um, and Europe in a way was left behind. Um, with U.S. markets now more expensive than European markets. We, we think there's a lot of value to, to be gained um, in Europe. And then within that, I would say you've got to think about the market regime backdrop. And the key question that we're getting from financial advisors at the moment is, well, growth stocks, high quality stocks worked really well 
against the backdrop of quantitative easing and ultra low interest rates. What do we do now? Uh, and we've been saying, well, we think there is quite a significant market regime change in place now. Um, we're seeing that through the economic data and, and higher higher interest rates um, in the future. And so that means that high forecast growth stocks actually are, are no longer as attractive as they were because you a lot of their value lies in the future and you have to discount those cash flows back to today at a higher discount rate. So, so they're worth less as, as, as interest rates go up. Um, whereas value stocks are already very depressed um, and not much future value is being currently attributed to them. So these are the types of stocks where we see most of the upside at the moment in some of these value names. Uh, and that's the message that we're giving to 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 financial advisors. That that's really interesting. And has would you say that message has changed over the past few years? Just because these past few years, you know, we have seen such an abnormal um, sort of market situation. Uh, value as a style became very cheap. It was unloved for for over a decade, as as quantitative easing um, and very low interest rates impacted sort of how investors thought about what types of stocks to buy. And so value stocks were really shunned. But I think we have seen evidence, and indeed that's come through in performance over the last sort of 12 to 18 months, that that value stocks are looking more attractive. Indeed, when you look at the latest data, it does look as if high quality, high forecast growth stocks um, have rolled over in terms of their performance. And we're beginning to see some, some better performance coming through on the value side. Um, so I think that is, you know, a very significant change in, in the market regime backdrop that we've not had for a long time. Uh, and that's really where most of the questions from, from financial advisors are coming from. That's that's really interesting. Thanks, Samantha. I'd love to ask you a kind of broader macroeconomic question, Samantha, and that is about the geopolitical tensions uh, between kind of Ukraine and Russia at the moment. Now, I know that, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe your your funds don't have a kind of heavy weighting in, of stocks in either country. Obviously, this this tension has had kind of a ripple effect across the European market. So I wanted to ask if that has had an impact uh, on your fund's portfolios, if, if you've made any changes to holdings based on that, um, and and particularly uh, about oil stocks, um, whether you hold those and whether um, this, this tension has prompted any change. So, so a couple of things there. Um, the first point would be that our European growth fund doesn't have any holdings that are based in in Russia or in Ukraine. Um, I think coming back to, to your other points, um, I, I think when geopolitical tensions rise and clearly um, the threat of an invasion has, has been sort of escalating in recent in recent days um, in Ukraine, um, that that contributes to, to more of a risk off environment where there is a bit of a flight to quality stocks. Uh, and we certainly saw that yesterday. But it's quite a fluid situation, and indeed markets recovering today to quite an extent, probably reflecting some more um, encouraging commentary about an, an invasion being being averted, at least in the short term. Um, so back to risk on environment today. But I think what what have we been thinking about? You know, over the last few weeks, as all of this news flow has been has been rumbling in the background, and we've been thinking about well, what kind of indirect exposure do we have to Russia and to Ukraine? Uh, and one sector to, to highlight would be European banks. So some banks um, 
do have exposure to Russia and to Ukraine. For example, they could have loans. Um, there could be all sorts of sanctions impact. Um, these loans may have to be written down. So we're, we're mindful of that type of exposure. We, do, we don't have much exposure to it. It's really pretty modest in the portfolio. But these are the sorts of things that, that we have to look at and consider. Fantastic. In the UK, we're expecting to see some regulation around sustainability disclosures come in this year. So I wanted to ask, um, number one, is this something that financial advisors have been uh, asking you questions about? Uh, and number two, do you think, how do you anticipate that incoming regulation could affect uh, your funds? So yes, we, we are being asked more questions on, on the ESG um, the ESG theme. Um, we would welcome any sensible developments in terms of regulation on that front. Um, what are we doing in terms of, of our fund? Well, I think this partly reflects our investment process where one of our cash flow ratios is a quality-based ratio. So that means that the, the types of stocks that, that we invest in tend to be quite prudent in terms of the way they're run, cash conservation, cash generation, etc. Um, and I think that that sort of behaviour also feeds through to their governance behaviour and their behaviour on, on sort of social factors as well. So, so that's really quite encouraging. Um, and I think that's a theme that's already sort of inherent in our investment process. Where we have been doing more work over the last 12 months has been on the environmental side. So we've been engaging with a lot more companies, um, specifically on, on carbon emissions over the last 12 months. Um, so that could cover companies in the materials sector, in transportation, travel and leisure um, and energy. And so we've been engaging with these companies and discussing with them their, their transition strategies as they move away from, for example, fossil fuels to, to renewable energy. Um, it, is, it is a long term story. It will take years to implement and to execute successfully. We're mindful of that. Um, but it's it's good to see much more engagement with the companies on that front. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, do you anticipate that the regulation will um, impact you, uh, and by you I mean your funds at all, beyond the kind of need to disclose these activities, the, the engagement, for example? And um, yeah, are there any other ways that you see the, the regulation impacting you? When we're engaging with the company, we're looking for a, strategy, a, a tr transitional strategy that's in place that they can execute that is ambitious and demanding. Um, and as we follow up with these companies, if we feel that progress is too slow, um, it's not moving fast enough in the right direction, then perhaps we could take action. We haven't yet got to that stage, but that is something that we're mindful of could, could happen in the future, where we feel companies just aren't moving fast enough. Um, then that may well prompt us to to sort of review the position of that stock in our fund. Yeah, yeah, I see. Okay, thanks, Samantha. We are expecting to say see more legislation come out on consumer duty this year. Um, do you anticipate that will affect you and your funds at all? Uh, I think any form of sort of extra taxation onto onto consumer related products. Um, is a headwind for the end consumer. Can companies pass that on to the consumer? Well, it'll depend on how how sort of how well off the consumer is feeling at the time and whether or not they can absorb that higher price. Um, so that that could be a negative. 
um, if, for example, they're feeling that they just can't stretch that far to that higher price. So, so that could be a headwind for companies that we're currently investing in. Um, I think any sort of taxation it always eventually comes back to the, to the end consumer. Um, so we're mindful of that. Clearly, it's a risk um, to, to a relatively small part of their earnings, probably at this stage. Uh, but nonetheless, it could be a, an unhelpful headwind for some stocks. Samantha, we're going to wrap up now. So thank you very much again for coming on the podcast. And thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, if you'd like to get in contact, uh, you can find us on Twitter. We're at New Model Advisor. Or feel free to get in contact with me. Uh, I'm at nblackburn at citywire.co.uk. Thank you again, Samantha, and everyone for listening. This CityWire podcast is sponsored by Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust. Scottish Mortgage invests in some of the world's most promising and exceptional companies, from healthcare breakthroughs to electric vehicles to a green energy revolution. Scottish Mortgage takes stakes in businesses shaping our future economy and society. As with any investment, capital is at risk.